Thank you, Josh. We're going to miss you. Um, but we appreciate all you've done for us over the years, and uh, we wish you well. We believe God has opened some new opportunities for you elsewhere. And so we, we will pray God's richest blessings on you as He reveals those new plans. <clears throat> yes, I am your uh, part-time guest speaker here this morning. Good to be with you. Uh, thank you very much. You're all very gracious. I'm Dave Mitchell. I am one of the pastors here, sort of. And uh, so it's great to be with you as, as well. We're in a series on the values of the church, and uh, there's a little book that has been prepared that uh, you will find helpful to kind of follow along. We began the series on the area of truth, and uh, the, the last week's topic was on generosity. Thank you, Bob, for challenging us. We need that. I need that, and we appreciate it. I was intrigued how Bob, you know, began the service as he took the, uh, the order of service. And I was thinking about tearing it up, but I thought, no, I need this job. But what I'm, what I'm really fascinated about is this is the order of service right here. And what's so wonderful about it, there are no times on it. We can go as long as we want to go. And that's because uh, Pastor Eric and this, the ELT, his executive team, and the elders are all down at Palomar. So we can do anything we want to do. So we have no... No one holding us back except our consciences and our paychecks. All right. We are in the subject of flexibility, and uh, I've never… Uh, actually, the only time I've thought about flexibility is every morning when I see if I can bend over to tie my shoes. But otherwise, I was intrigued by the topic to see what can we learn from it. So here's the definition of flexibility. I looked it up. It means to open to change for the better. There were some synonyms that were included with that, and it's uh, moldability, stretchability, and whippiness. Whippiness. Now, I'm almost 90 years old, but I've never heard the term whippiness in my life, so I thought I would throw it out. And if you, How many of you know what the word whippiness means? All right, so I'm not the only dumb one here. And so I don't know what it means, but I just put it on there because I'm flexible. Um, <laughs> But flexibility, as I thought about it, what should we say about it? And I thought always a good place to begin is with God. Is God flexible? He is indeed flexible. And as I began the journey with flexibility, God wants us to be flexible because God loves for us to have freedom in our lives. One of the first things that God did, of course, is to create the heavens and the earth. He created the gardens, the animals, and then He created Adam and Eve. And one of the things that God had not done up to that point when He created Adam and Eve is He had not named the animals. So God says, I wonder what I should call the animals. And so what does He do? He delegates to Adam the privilege of giving names to the animals of the Garden of Eden. And it says in the text, out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky, and He brought them to the man, Adam, to see what He would call them." That's fascinating. God says, I want to see what Adam wants to call these things. I want to give Adam the freedom, and it says, whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. So He brings this crazy creature with a very long neck. And in the English, I think it was Hebrew, probably in the Garden of Eden, but for us, Adam calls it a giraffe. Then he brings this thing with a really long, ugly nose, and he calls it an anteater. 
Then he brings this other very unusual creature, he calls it an aardvark. Then he brings this really loving, friendly, kind animal, and he calls it a dog. And if you reverse it, it's called God. And God says, you know, in English, they're going to they're gonna use that to say there's a godlike feature in the loving little dog. And then he brought this little rebellious, independent, spirited mind animal, and God says, what are you going to call that? I'm going to call it a cat. And so we can see how God has given freedom for us in these areas. And if that offends you cat lovers, ewakeling.calvarylife.org. And uh, because he's ultimately responsible for everything that goes on up here. <laughs> it was that way for me, and so I'm passing that on. But God gave Adam this wonderful freedom. And so he loves to us to be flexible. God is flexible. He's flexible also in judgment. This is a fascinating thing to me. Uh, yeah, that's the Garden of Eden. Everything's perfect. But then there is this place called Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham was a little bit concerned because God says, I'm going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. So what does Abraham do? He appeals to God, and without going through all the texts for the sake of time, this is some of the things that, that, that Abraham said. So suppose that there are 50 righteous. Will you spare the community? And God says, I'm in. Suppose there are 45. Suppose there are 40. Suppose there are 20. Suppose there are 10. God, are you flexible enough to say that although you initially said you're going to wipe it out, but if you can find at least 10 righteous people, will you save this community? And God says, yes. Thank you, Abraham, for asking. Because the last thing God wants to do is to cause the death of people. Because he does not take delight in the death of people. And God was flexible. You know, as you and I pray about those things, God says, I'm willing to bend with you. I'm willing to cooperate with you. I'm willing to give you flexibility and freedom. And so think about that. Here is this awful city worthy of judgment, and God says, I'm flexible. I don't want to wipe them out. So ask me, ask me. Now, when it comes to flexibility, the thing that came to my mind are two dangers. I'm very analytical. I've got to organize all my thoughts in my brain. And there are two dangers that I say that we should be aware of. And danger number one is this, that we become too flexible. That leads to compromise. It leads to sort of division and, and the undermining of the faith in the church. There's a good biblical example of that. Paul uses it in uh, 2 Corinthians when he says, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. It's interesting, that word for craftiness is a word, a Greek word, out of which we can get the word whatever. And so what, what Satan wants to do to Eve is say, Eve, I want you to just believe whatever you want to believe. Whatever suits you, whatever is your truth, it's okay for you to believe your truth because that's your truth. may not be my truth, may not be their truth, but it's your truth. And that's the deception of Satan. He loves for our minds to be so flexible that I can believe whatever I want, and if it's true for me, then it is my truth. But then he goes on to explain more specifically. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or dot, 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 a different gospel which you have not accepted. 
There is a mindset out there today that we need to be as inclusive as we can, and when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one goes to the Father but through me, that does not sound very inclusive. So there are those that want to have a different gospel, different ways to come to God. God is, it doesn't matter which name you use by, by God, whether he's, you want to call him Buddhist or, or Islam or, or whatever, whatever religion you want to be, always lead to God. And Jesus says, no, there's only one way to God. And if you have a different gospel that somehow suggests that you can work your way, you can go through liturgy to get your way, you can be baptized to get your way, you can join another cult and get your way to heaven, God says, that's too flexible. That's the danger. That inflexibility in a world where we have this cancel culture that if you're not flexible enough, you're not inclusive enough, and you're so narrow-minded that there's only one way to God through Jesus Christ, my goodness, we need to cancel you. We need to shut you down. You shouldn't be on YouTube. We need to close the book on you. And we live in a world where that is happening. And so what Jesus wants us to know… Yeah, amen. Thank you. Thank you. What Jesus wants us to know, there is only one way. So don't be flexible with theology that is clear in Scripture. But then on the other hand, here's another danger. There's the danger of being too flexible or, or not being flexible enough that causes stagnation and spiritual failure. Now, I'm of the opinion, because I've been here for a while, that Calvary Church is probably not going to preach a different Jesus or a different gospel. I think we are so theologically aligned, our statement of faith, it is so crystal clear as to what we believe, and we are biblically aligned, that we're not in danger of going to be too flexible with a different gospel, but we do have the danger of maybe not being flexible enough and sort of closing the door on things that maybe God wants to do. So let me unpack that a little bit. When Jesus was meeting with the Pharisees, talk about inflexible people, these are the Pharisees that He said this to. He says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse, because the garment can't flex or stretch. And then He goes on to say, neither do people pour wine into old wineskins. If they do, the, the skins will uh, burst, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. He says, no, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. I, for the life of me, can't imagine drinking anything that comes out of a dead animal skin. But in those days, they would carry something like this, and if they have new wine, they would pour it into new wineskins. Why? Because they stretch. They're flexible. And what Jesus is talking to, He's talking to the Pharisees because before that, He was being challenged because of what John the Baptist is saying. And they're saying, is, is John the Baptist, is, is what he's saying, is it true? And Jesus says, no, I've not come, I'm not here to put a patch on an old system. I've come to give you a brand new system, a brand new way, new wine, and I'm going to create a new wineskin. I'm going to create a new way in which my work will, will be accomplished. I'm not going to take the 613 or so laws of Pharisees and sort of patch them together. I'm going to dimble the whole thing and start fresh. 
So don't try to take the old system and make it better. Get rid of the old system, he's saying, like a new wineskin, and then I'll put my new wine into that. I'll put my new teaching into that. I'll put my new life into that, my resurrection power into that, and then we're going to do something. Because I need believers that are stretchable. I need a church that is flexible. I need to be allowed to do my work in ways that sometimes challenges those who aren't ready for the change. Here's a little contrast. The Pharisees were like a traditionalism. Traditionalism is the dead values of living people. Whereas traditions, that we believe in traditions here, traditions are the living values of dead people. The people that started Calvary Church 90 years ago, they're mostly all gone. Maybe there's one sort of hanging on. But their living values continue to live through us. And what God wants us to do is to not be a traditionalism person where we have these, these dead values, but we feel like because we're living, they, they still have worth. You know, it's interesting to me, <clears throat> since Josh brought up 90, I do remember that first service. It was fantastic. <laughs> but in a 90-year-old church, like a 90-year-old body, you know, over the last 10 years, let me just say this, over the last 10 years, I've noticed that when I get out of bed in the morning, I am less and less flexible. I sort of hobble my way to the bathroom, and, and over time it begins to loosen up. And sometimes in a 90-year-old church, you can become stiff. You know, when a brand new church begins, that new church plant everybody's excited. You got maybe a hundred people, a couple of staff, so excited. All the energy goes into creating and reaching new people for Jesus. And what happens over time in a church, maybe a 90-year-old church, is we sort of lose that, that vigor and excitement of reaching and using whatever creative methods we can to reach new people, and we become more consumed with maintaining what is, maintaining the system. So energy goes into maintenance of the church and not outreach to the community. I'm not saying that Calvary is there, but we are vulnerable to that and to be aware of that because changes do occur. One of the things that Jesus said to the, the, the apostles is, is Matthew 23 is the, most strong, is the strongest rebuke that Jesus have ever taught outside of casting people out of the temple. But Jesus said this to the Pharisees, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, such as justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You're tithing the cumin, but you're missing the weightier provisions of the law of justice, mercy, and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain a gnat and swallow a camel. What Jesus is saying to me and hopefully to all of us is that it's really easy to get lost in the insignificant. Here's a bunch of cumin seeds. 
And what the Pharisees are probably doing is they're, they're taking their little scoop of cumin seeds, and they're saying, you know, I should tithe to, the, to God my tenth. And so they're counting seeds, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Those are mine. Ten. Here, God, have fun with it. And constantly counting seeds, counting seeds. And God says, Jesus says, you've, you've sort of lost it. You've given up on the weightier things of justice and righteousness and faithfulness and loving kindness. The, the list goes on. It's easy to sort of get lost in the insignificant and lose the weightier issues. Now, if Jesus, if Jesus had PowerPoint way back then, He might have used this slide. He didn't have PowerPoint, but I do. And here's a slide. You might have seen this. Eric used it a while ago. I thought it was such an excellent, excellent slide that I would use it as well. And you notice the slide has three areas of the pyramid. The bottom part is all about mission. Those are foundational things. Foundational things are those things that God's truth speaks to. They are the, as Jesus calls it, the weightier issues. I put Psalm 19 on there because in Psalm 19, he talks about how God reveals His truth through His creation, and then he also says He reveals His truth through His written revelation. So the revelation of God's Word is the primary foundational truth. This Word speaks to the weightier issues. Now, that's the foundation. Those things we are not flexible on. If this is what God says, I want to live there. I want to be in that sweet spot of the heart of God, the Word of God. I, I want that to be my driving force. And then in addition, on top of that, in life, there are less weightier issues, the cumin, if you will. And, and that goes to methods. Methods are human ideas, things that we consider. For example, in a church, we create a church that is built on the foundation of God's Word to go make disciples of all nations. The methods, we start now as we get to be 90 years old, we have bylaws, we have policies, we have HR requirements, we have COVID requirements, we have mask requirements. We've got all kinds of policies and security, and we've got all these systems that we have created that are methods by which we think this mission is able to accomplish its goal. And then we have personal preferences at the very top, those incidental things, the, the cumin, if you will. Now, over the years, let me just sort of illustrate with some that are really kind of petty and silly. Remember in my very first church that I was at, uh, we had wooden pews, hard, uncomfortable, wooden pews the way God intended the church to have. Right? They were so uncomfortable, I could preach the worst sermon in the world, and they still wouldn't fall asleep. It was great. And then we thought, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if we, instead of have wooden pews, we have like chairs that we could move around. And we had one family that stormed out of the church. I will never be part of a church that gets rid of its pews. Is that mission? Is that method, or is that personal preference? Personal preference. And then my next church, we had a pipe organ. It was an old church as well. People love that pipe organ. But the pipe organ is so expensive to maintain. 
and the little leather things and all the stuff that's on it. And so we thought, well, instead of putting money into the pipe organ, why don't we get an electronic organ? Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, oh. Dave, you can't be serious. This pipe organ has always been in our church. How can we worship without a pipe organ? And so I went over to that pipe organ, and I pounded on it, and I said, you know what this pipe organ is? It's just a bunch of wood and metal, and we're going to get something better. And people were so flustered over the idea of an electronic organ versus a pipe organ. Is that mission? Is that methods or personal preference? And now I came here. It's interesting. One of the first critical anonymous notes I ever received, I've remarked on it before, is that my pants are too long. My <laughs> pants are too long. I don't know why she was looking down there, but that's where she was looking. Is that mission? Is that method? Or is that incidental? Is that cumin seed? We need to be very careful about those things. Allow God to do the work and not get caught up in personal preferences. You know, I could play this game on the COVID deal. Should I jump into the fire? <laughs> COVID. COVID. How would I think about COVID? What is the mission of our people? The mission is, this is my body, it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. I want to do all that I can to keep it well. I want to be healthy. I want to be fit as best I possibly can. Now, I'm obese. I shouldn't be obese. God forgive me for being obese, according to Kaiser. <laughs> and so I'm sorry about that. I'm doing all I can to lose that whatever pounds it gets to that number that's so magical, so I don't have every visit. Kaiser sends me this email that tells me I'm obese. But my mission is to be healthy. My mission in life that God says to love your neighbor as yourself. My mission in life is to worship the Lord God with all your, your, your spirit and truth. Those are mission statements. How methods, what methods should I use to make sure that I am healthy, I'm loving my neighbor, and I'm worshiping the Lord? Well, mask wearing would be one way to love someone. Taking a vaccination might be another way to keep me healthy and love someone else. Those are methods. Personal preference, Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, paper mask, 95 mask. You know, we have a lot of choices, but never lose that sight. Remember, last time I was up here, I talked about my neighbor who's a little bit annoying to me, and I'm sorry for my carnality, but he does annoy me at times. And he had a party going on in his backyard, and you know, like at 2 o'clock in the morning, the music is blaring, the girls are screaming, and I say, what in the world is going on over there? Do I call the police? Do I complain? Do I go pound on the door? And then God reminded me, what's my mission? My mission is to love my neighbor as myself. My mission is to bring them to Jesus and let Jesus make them not so annoying. So, so we need to work that system. We need to build how we respond according to the mission 
not be driven by methods and personal preferences. Don't judge on personal preferences. Don't judge so much on methods. But the judgment is in the mission, the weightier issues that God calls us to. And one last example. Years ago, some of you may not know this, but years ago, I did what was unthinkable at the time. It was the day of suits. I wore a suit. But that day I wore jeans, and it was Father's Day. And I was preaching on Noah, and the topic was Noah, a rebel with a cause. And so we filmed me on my motorcycle riding with a full-face helmet. You couldn't tell who I was. Riding from my house down the street into the courtyard and down around over here. And then when the video got to the point that I was here, we opened the doors and I started up that loud pipes in that motorcycle and I rode it right into here. And I didn't know whether that was my last Sunday or not, but I had my resume ready. <laughs> and so I preached on Noah, a rebel with a cause. And then uh, I didn't know what to expect, but that next week I had a phone call from a woman who said, and, and self-identified herself in this way, I'm a little old lady who sits in the back. And when I saw you ride that motorcycle in here, I was aghast that anybody would really mock the spiritual sanctity of a worship service with an ungodly motorcycle. I said, well, boy, I was getting ready to apologize, and I'll never do it again. You know, one of those things you don't really believe what you're saying, but you're, you're nice, you know. Um, and then she went on after a pause, and she said, but, oh, when you're getting criticized and you hear a but, <laughs> but at the end of the service, you invited all the men who want to be a rebel with a cause for the cause of Christ, you invited them to stand. And when I saw all those men standing in front of me, my heart was so blessed. So what happened here? She began the judgment on personal preference. But then we wound our way down to mission. And what's the mission? The mission is to see men and women be rebels with a cause for the cause of Christ. And we always have to come back, my personal preference is not this speaker or that tone or those words. No, that may not be my personal preference, but I come back, what's the mission? The mission of what God has called me to do and say. So I need we need to be very careful that we don't lose the mission by maybe our criticisms of preferences or even methods that don't suit me. It's interesting, that motorcycle, that evil motorcycle that I rode in here, you know who has that motorcycle now? That dastardly person, Ron Rogowski. <laughs> so, I can't believe Ron. Ron, why would you have a motorcycle that is so awful and be used in such ungodly, worshipful ways? I'm kidding. I'm kidding, sort of. And so, uh, no, I am kidding. Yeah, I'm glad that Ron has it. It looks a lot better than when I had it. So, the mission. I love Louis Giglio and some of the things he says, and, and this I want to con conclude with this point. Talking about Scripture, the mission. Scripture needs to be wrapped throughout your life. 
It needs to be before your eyes and in your ears and all through your mind. It needs to be in your home and in your locker and on your computer and on your mirror and at your desk. It needs to be talked about, sung about, permeating the music you listen to. Here's why. When you fill your mind with Scripture, you get to control the playlist. You become the DJ of your own thoughts. The hunger of my heart is that Calvary would never lose the mission of being a student and practitioner of the Word of God, that Scripture permeates this pulpit, those seats, even though they're not pews, and beyond into our lives in our daily existence. So when the annoying neighbor does the annoying thing that the annoying neighbor typically does, my reaction is, but what does God say? What does God want? When I'm up here or the music's up here, the instruments are up here, and they happen to be a certain way or a certain way, but what does God say? What does God want? What is the mission so I can live with the foundation of God's Word but flexible? on the things that he says are the cumin seeds of life, like animals that are being named by Adam. God, give me flexibility where you're flexible. God, give me the truth where your truth stands. So what do we do in conclusion? There's a great little story. I don't have time to get into it, but if you want to read more, I encourage you to get into Acts 10 and 11. It's really the account of Peter. Peter was the Jew of all Jews. He was as Jewish as you could be. He was so faithful to God. He had his ups and his downs with Jesus. He had his times of, I'll never do anything. I'll die for you, Jesus. Oh, well, I betrayed you. I'm sorry. He had those ups and downs and those highs and lows. And then afterwards, when Jesus was resurrected, the Holy Spirit fills Peter. Peter goes out as the, one of the greatest missionaries we've ever seen to the Jewish population. And then God says, Peter you know what, I'm going to start reaching the Gentiles. And so he gives him a vision, a, a, a trance, a, a dream, and, and he says, I, I want to change the way we do things, Peter. And the first point that I noticed in this passage is we need to be humbly teachable to God's new plans, His new methods, His new flexible ways. And so Peter says, yet yeah, God has, has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. So, Peter, don't call the Gentiles unclean anymore. Change. Stretch your mind. Be flexible. These are people that I died for. So, I want you to go. Be humbly teachable that, God, maybe you want me to reach this immigrant. I'm glad we're reaching some Afghanistan's people. God, help me to understand the mission that is most important, not some of the human ideas of what we think is this idea or that opinion or that preference. God, help me to see people the way you do. Teach me. Changes like this require flexibility that will not be easy for some. And if you can advance the slide, that would be wonderful. Changes that require flexibility will not be easy for some. And one of the things that Peter noticed as he did this is in Acts chapter 10, verse 13, and a voice came to him, get up, Peter, 
kill and eat. But Peter says, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is unholy or unclean. And that means don't eat the food that the Gentiles eat. And Peter, three times, God says, I want you to eat it. I want you to eat it. I want you to eat it. Please stop resisting me. Stretch your mind, Peter. Become flexible in the fact that maybe I am adding to the plans that I have to reach other people because the mission is everything. But the methods of this diet versus that food item versus the cumin seeds, Peter, you need to change. And so God sometimes has to hit us over the head and change is hard. Boy, the church has changed so much since I began like 40-something years ago. I mean, it was Sunday morning, it was Sunday night, it was Wednesday night, and uh, you'd always know the, the most committed Christians would go to the prayer. You can always tell the committed Christians, they're the ones on Wednesday night. You know, all these things we used to say. Things are different, and they will continue to be different. And all these wonderful families that are up here, the ability to be flexible with little kids. God uses those little kids to help us to be flexible, and I can read it in a book, but it's a whole other thing when I try to live it out as a parent. And the same thing is of the Christian faith. But then we need to expect criticism, but be willing to discuss the changes. Discuss the changes. I love this about Peter. He says these, these, a bunch of people kind of gathered around. The next slide, it says in Acts chapter 11, he says, now the apostles uh, and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Oh, my goodness. These are the dogs of the world, they would call them. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised, the Jews, they took issue with him. But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them. You know, when we go through changes as a church, when we go through changes as a family, when our children are sort of living their faith in a really different way than my faith, it's hard. But I don't want to be the critic. I want to be the explainer. I want to be the one who dialogues with. I want to be the one who discusses with. I want to have an open, teachable, humble mind that understands that change is hard, but that I'm willing to understand where you're coming from. So these, these apostles go to Peter and say, I'm taking issue with you. You're eating with Gentiles. You're eating Gentile food. How dare you? And God says, let's get back to the mission. What's most important? when it comes to family and friends and neighbors and churches and things we experience that are different. We need to understand the mission must always be the same. The methods, they may vary. And my personal preferences, don't be caught counting cumin seeds when God says there's something much more important you should be pursuing in your life. And so flexibility is a heart that is open to change for the better. Let's us be people who are open to change for the better in the areas where God has given us freedom and flexibility. Let's join with God in that flexible, stretchable, heartfelt mindset. Let's pray. Father, we're God, we thank you that you're a God who loves us. Lord, we're, I know that I am a, a person who is prone to failure and vulnerable to temptations. And God, my heart, my mind can sometimes be more judgmental about certain things that are happening, whether in the church, in our country, in the area of politics, 
issues like the border and about COVID and, and politicians and the president and, and the other president that used to be, and, and we can get so caught up in those things. And, and God, you're, you would say to me, Dave, remember the mission. Remember the mission. Don't be like Peter, but be open-hearted to receive my mission and carry it out, that others would know Jesus, that others would be saved by Jesus, that others would become disciples of Jesus. That's our mission. That's what you tell us to do. May everything, everything be driven by your mission that is now ours. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.